Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priest said I have any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found that Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Anne-Marie O'Dwyer chatting all things the psychiatry of cancer. I want to say that it's very common to be very distressed, to have a very prominent psychological response to cancer, that they are not alone, that lots of other people feel in that way, and that it's important for them to have information. Information is power, but it has to be the right information. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to the left wing. Well, it is the second weekend of the Champions Cup coming up this weekend and the teams have been named. But we have got to start with the report this morning in the Irish Times that RG Snyman is set to sign for Leinster next season. A sensational report. Rory O'Connor and Keane Tracy are here. Rory, you're there at the RDS after a Leinster press conference what was said there about this report? Not a whole lot, Sinead. Um, but reading between the lines, there's certainly a lot of smoke. And in fairness, Leo Cullen, while he didn't want to comment on it, he wanted to focus on the game that's uh, up tomorrow against Sale Sharks. He didn't deny that there has been contact. In fact, he said he wouldn't talk about it out of respect to the parties involved. So that pretty much confirms that there is a process ongoing. A great story from the Irish Times this morning. It's a, it's a big, big one. I mean, it's taken some doing to, to knock Andy Farrell's new contract off the news. Never a dull moment in Irish rugby. Um, you know, David Newsforce briefing yesterday, we went through the World Cup review, we went through Andy Farrell's new contract and then suddenly before even the day is out, it's been wiped off the back pages. And it's a it's a monstrous story. He's a monstrous man and he, he commands a lot of attention. And if Leinster do manage to pull this off, and I do believe it, it requires somewhere a few sign-off before it's a done deal and he hasn't, there's no contract signed just yet, but it is in the process of happening. Um it'd be one of the most remarkable transfers in Irish rugby history. A major coup for Leinster, albeit one that comes with major risks because, you know, Orgy Snyman's only played 10 games for Munster in, his, Munster in his four years there. An incredibly popular figure at Tomlin Park. He wasn't offered a new deal to stay at, at Munster, but the expectation was he would sign with Bath and that he would move back, either move to South Africa or sign with Bath. And Bath have, have been the front runners in this process. But obviously, he, from what I hear, he, he, he likes living in Ireland. His partner is very happy here. Um, and this was the best option for them. And, and look, now there's a whole another debate about whether Munster will play him again, whether Munster will, will avail of his services, whether they'll put him on gardening leave because it's such a controversial transfer. It won't go down well at Munster. And I think, you know, with the IRFU, if they do sign off on this, I think Munster will have a major 
reason to be aggrieved at, at the whole process. Um, so it's it's fascinating. There's a bit of bit to run on it yet, but it's uh, one of the most interesting stories we've had for a long, long time in Irish rugby. Yeah, it's just incredible. And the thought was, uh, Keen, as Rory said there, was that he was going to move to Bath. Was this a bolt from the blue for Munster, do you know? Yeah, from what I hear, um, it was Sinead. Yeah, the story obviously broke late on Thursday night. And from what I hear, Munster were sort of blindsided by it as well. I think they felt that RG Snyman was probably going to Bath, certainly not to to Leinster. Um, like, there's so many different angles and ways to, to look at this. I mean, if you look at it from... A monster point of view in terms of what Rod's saying about them being angry and stuff. I mean, there might be a bit of annoyance at the start, but like at the end of the day, they chose to keep Jean Klein at the club ahead of Orgy Snyman. And that made perfect sense um, because Orgy Snyman's injury record, you look at how well and how often Jean Klein has played, probably on less money as well, you'd imagine. So Munster could have kept Orgy Snyman if they wanted to. They decided. They couldn't afford him, Kane. They couldn't afford him. My understanding is, and it came from a very good source, that Munster could not afford to offer Orgy Snyman. There wasn't a choice that, that they could only afford John Klein, that his salary demands, which I believe were around 750000 a year, were too much for Munster. So I think that's why they'll be annoyed because Leinster have swooped in and but wiped But did he not eyes. take a pay cut? My understanding was that Orgy Snyman took a pay cut on his latest contract um, that he signed with Munster because he arrived on huge, huge money but after the couple of years that he had out and then he signed a new contract, my understanding that was on significant, sorry, significantly reduced terms, no? He did, but I think that this contract, the offers that he had on the table from around the world or what he was looking for from clubs around the world was backed up to World Cup winning. He was putting his new medal on the table and he was going, this is what I'm worth. And, and Munster just said, we can't afford that. Munster, I think, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your point completely, but like Munster, you know, have less, have fewer contract, centrally contracted players, and that will, you know, with Peter O'Mahony and, and Conor Murray coming off central contracts, that all goes onto their budget as well. You know, Keith Earls has gone on, onto their budget, and their budget is much, you know, because Leinster have seven century contract players going to nine probably next season with Dan Sheehan and Caden Doris. Leinster have far more wiggle room within their budget to make big splashes like this because the RFU take up so much of their salary. So there was a major financial element to Munster not keeping them, as far as I understand it. But I wouldn't underestimate Munster's power as well. I mean, you have to remember that they signed Orgy Snyman and Damien Dialende at the same time a few years ago. Like they were able to get outside investment. Now, whether or not that's like still available, who knows? Because it has been so murky. But I wouldn't underestimate what Munster are able to pull off in the transfer market. But like I said, it just made like, okay, finances obviously come into it. But like in terms of, you know, pound for pound, for, for want of a better term, it made sense to keep Sean Klein because they just haven't seen Orgy Snyman. So I would find it surprised if Orgy Snyman's back in March, which they're hoping to, I think it would be silly not to play him um, from a monster point of view for, for the rest of the season. I think it would just be a, a total waste. Um, he doesn't sound like the type of guy who's, you know, going to like pack up shop early either. Like he's a really popular player amongst the dressing room. So I'm sure there'll be a bit of slagging, but I don't know if there'll be any like ill will towards him. Like everything that you said there about himself and his family they really like it in Ireland so from his point of view like he could definitely go to somewhere like Japan you'd imagine and get a load of money but obviously he wants to play like at top level rugby 
And like Leinster have form in this area. It might not be quite on the same scale, but they came in for Jason Jenkins last year when Munster were getting rid of him as well. So um, maybe it's not that much of a surprise. You've also got Shaq Nienarber now in there who knows Orgy Snyman so well, would have played a role in getting him to probably, you know, helping him out to that move in Munster as well a few years ago. So there's lots of different things at play. Like it is a big risk if it comes off from a Leinster point of view because we just haven't seen him. What has he played? 10 games since he's come, uh, since he's arrived in Munster. You see at the World Cup um, what he's capable of at his best. And if you even go off the the Jason Jenkins example, like that hasn't really worked out for Leinster, you'd have to say. Um, he started really well last season when he joined, but he got a bad hamstring injury, I think it was, around Christmas. And he hasn't really been, I don't know, the same player since. You've seen Joe McCarthy breaking onto the scene. But I suppose Leinster are looking at it that... If a player like this comes onto the market, they'd probably be foolish if they think he's worth the risk, which clearly they do. Um, it'd be foolish not to roll the dice. But I suppose it throws up other questions. What does it mean for the likes of, you know, a Joe McCarthy, a James Ryan when it comes to these big Champions Cup games? But it's probably more guys like on the fringes, like Ross Maloney, who's already struggling to, to get a look and are going to be forced out um, even more. So um, it sounds like there is a bit of um, road left to be run in this, but certainly there's definitely um, something concrete in it. And it would probably be a surprise if Leinster don't get it over the line, you'd imagine, at this stage. Yeah, it certainly feels like it cranks up that uh, Leinster at Munster now. But I was just thinking the same thing, actually, Rory, there. I mean, you're saying down in Munster, they feel aggrieved. I mean, a penny for the thoughts of somebody like Ross Maloney. Yeah, I mean, look, I think when you're when you're in the Leinster setup, that's that's comes with the territory. And like Rossman is already competing with a Springbok, you know, albeit not a double World Cup winning Springbok of Orgy Simon's caliber. But you know, the, I don't think I, I haven't. That's not I, I. You know, does is he a roadblock to someone like Conor O'Tiernan coming up and kind of making an impact in the next couple of years? Yes. The counter argument is always that he will learn an awful lot from from working with Orgy Snyman on a daily basis. And in fairness. Orgy Snyman hasn't blocked too many careers at Munster over the last four years because he hasn't been available to play. So, um, you know, Leinster haven't got over the line in big European games. He is on paper a great signing, albeit if he has if his injury record continues in the way that it is, then he's another he's, he's a bit of a waste of money. And I think Munster will look at him as a bit of a waste of money now. I think that you know they would be frustrated by the fact that I know Jason Jenkins probably hasn't had the desired impact. He's certainly played and been available for Leinster a lot more than he was with Munster, and I think it will be very. Um, difficult for Munster to watch if Orgy Snyman suddenly has his best two years of health in a blue jersey and helps them over line in a European or in a Champions Cup final um, you know I think they have a right to be disappointed that a player that they've stood by and given a new deal to when he was in a position where like you that was a major vote of confidence in Orgy Snyman when when they handed him that new deal they've invested a lot of time a lot of patience they built him back up and then he went and won a World Cup and got injured again and I think there's a they wouldn't be human if they weren't deeply disappointed at the choice that he's made by going and joining their their biggest rivals up the road. I know he likes living in Ireland, but like Bath isn't so bad. Bath's a pretty nice place to live as well. And I wouldn't say that, that the coin is much different either. So um, you're getting very sentimental, Rudds. Um, not be sentimental. Like, well, like fans, like, fans, fans, of a, a, fans are entitled to be disappointed with the decision. Orgy Snyman is is making. If he makes the decision, he's making a decision that the fans are entitled to be disappointed with. I mean, yes, it's a professional game. Yes, he can sign for whoever he likes. But Munster fans have 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 a a great reason, and the, and the province themselves have a real reason to be disappointed with him. 
I, I think they do, but like it's at the end of the day, like it's a it's a ruthless business. You know what I mean? Orgy Snyman has to do what's the best for him. He's got the South Africa head coach now arriving at Leinster. It's a really exciting time. He's not able to stay at Munster. I think all things being equal, he would obviously prefer to stay at Munster. Um, so like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I I can understand why people would be disappointed, but I think most rational Munster fans. Once they tear themselves back from the initial disappointment, we'll I, see that. I want you to bring your podcast mic tomorrow and I want you to go around the, the, the plane to Exeter and ask the rational Munster fans how they feel about this. Because being a fan is an irrational business. Being a fan is about passion and, and, and caring about these things. And it's a, you know, it's, it, betrayal is a strong word, but it's a pretty big, big um, kick in the teeth. And I think Munster fans are entitled to be, and Munster as an organization are entitled to be really, really let down by this whole business. And like, you know, like rather than direct their ire at, at the at Slyman, they should really be directing their ire at the IRFU and, and wondering how they can sanction this really, because it just strengthens the the strongest province at a time when they're, you know, getting to European finals on a on a yearly basis. It's not Leinster's problem. Leinster do what's best for Leinster. But the RFU are supposed to be looking after the overall health of the of the four provinces. You know, if we're saying that the RFU saying they can only keep one Springbok was the reason, well, you know, um, I don't know why the RFU would sign off on this transfer, to be honest. But Leinster would argue that Jason Jenkins is their, you know, foreign signing. He's obviously going to be out the door if Orgy Snyman comes in. You had the piece in today's paper that Michael Alatoa is leaving as well. Now, there's been no talk yet or Leinster are going to try and sign an overseas, you know, prop to replace him. But let's say they don't. They've lost two foreign players. So Leinster would say we're well entitled to sign a guy like this when we haven't been able to get over the line in the Champions Cup for the last few years. But the RFU policy is that you're not supposed to be able to replace an overseas signing with an overseas signing. That, you know, Ruan Pinar being the example that you were supposed to replace an overseas signing with a homegrown talent. That you're supposed to use the period while you're investing this money in a position to develop alternatives. And this is runs direct, in direct contravention that now those rules are flexible. But um, look, Leinster will look out for Leinster and are entitled to do so. And he is, a, if he get him playing, he is potentially the player that will get them over the line in the European Cup. And that is all Leinster are supposed to be doing as well as producing players. And in fairness, Leinster can point to the record and say, we are producing players at a rate of knots for, for Irish rugby. So like that is not, you know, Leinster really have no, no apologies to make on this whatsoever. But I wonder what David Humphreys thinks about this because David Nusifora is the one who's signing off on it. And he told us yesterday that he didn't, he didn't even ring David Humphreys about Andy Farrell's contract, even though he was going to be the one who'd be working with Andy Farrell for the four years. So there's all sorts of different moving parts in this. And it's very complex as we've kind of discussed. There's loads of different strands you could pull at it. Um, at the end of the day, I think it's it, like there's a reason it's so interesting, and that's because people will care so much about it. You just have to look at social media. I've already got a picture of Orgy Snyman in a Leinster jersey, um, you know, being mocked up this morning before I even had my breakfast. Like, so you know, this is this is moving the dial. People care about it, and people, and as I say, like, I'd be really interested to see what your perspective will be on Monday, Keen, when you've actually spent the weekend with Munster fans, because I think they're more angry than you think. No, I, I'm not underestimating, just for the record, I'm not underestimating how angry Munster fans will be now. But I think in the cold light of day, in a couple of weeks, when they've had their Christmas cheer and all that, I think a lot of people will realise that this is a business decision at the end of the day. And just on whatever picture you got of Snyman, I've got a couple of texts that have been calling him Orgy Slyman. So there's, there's yep, a lot there you go. coming around. So, um, yeah, look, I, like, I can see it. I can see it, like I said from the very start, I can see it from from all angles but I think apart from it being a big risk from a Leinster point of view I think it makes sense from from most of the way I look at it anyway 
and from previous deals, lads, and because it is such a contentious uh, piece of news, like when could we get confirmation of this? Like, and it would w- probably want to happen sooner rather than later as well, or else it'll just be dragged out. I presume, I, I don't think anything will happen before Christmas. I, I would be surprised if it's announced next week. I think from just talking to people here, it does seem like there's a little bit of road, road to run in terms of getting approval from the RFU. Um, is it around now that David News for usually takes this bit of a break in Australia and, and no business gets done in, in, in uh, Ballsbridge for a little while? It might be. You know, he did his media briefing yesterday. Um, I don't think there's any pressure, really, because Snyman, he is back in the country, um, but he's not available for selection for another couple of months. And, you know, I think, like, I would expect January Key may have more information than that, but I, I don't expect anything to happen next week. But then I wasn't expecting this in the first place, so I could be wrong. Yeah, I'd say once David Nusifora walked out of the the high performance yesterday after chatting to you, I'd say his his Christmas bags were packed and he was he was out on of his way. Reply on, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Come here, Rory. Just a quick one before we go to the teams on yesterday's uh, press briefing. You were out there with uh, David Nusifora, as you said. A lot of news lines around this and Farrell's contract extension, the RFU blessing if he becomes the Lions head coach, that agreement between the provinces and the RFU about a contract to player trying out for the Olympic Seven squad, and confirmation, obviously, as well, that Mike Cash will finish up as assistant coach at the end of next season. Who could be in the frame to take over from Mike Cash? Uh, the one name that I've heard is Andrew Goodman, the Leinster uh, attack coach, and, and I think he would be an excellent choice. Maybe that's the quid pro quo. Maybe it's we'll let you sign Snyman if you give us your attack coach. You never know. Um, but he's very highly regarded. I Mike Prendergast down in Munster will be a very uh, formidable challenger for that job as well. And Noel McNamara, who um, we saw with his Bordeaux backline, Keane saw firsthand last Friday night, what they could do. We know that he is close to New Sephora and has kind of gone traveling the world to coach and gain experience with New Sephora's blessing. But um, as I've heard it, it's Goodman as the front runner. But I think there's there's a bit of room room for maneuver on that. Like the, the RFU have identified a can- candidate, and apparently they're close to an agreement with that candidate. They wouldn't do for I asked them would that candidate be an internal hire or an external hire, and he didn't confirm or deny whether that would be the case. Um, there's lots of good coaches within the Irish system. It would be surprised if they went outside. I guess Nigel Carroll and over in Glasgow would be another who has a good CV. And then look, you've got. Andy Farrell's got an extensive network of contacts that he's built up over the years and people he likes working with, you know. So there is um there is kind of other candidates outside of that bubble that, you know, um he could go to. But you would like, I think, to see a, the coach come from within the Irish system just for that sense that they're developing people and then if Goodman moved on, then Leinster would have would have to go and re- recruit or grow their own and that system would continue. So that's the name that I've heard. I'm not sure if Keane's heard anyone different, but that would be the kind of shortlist that I'd be looking at. But I'm sure there's some name that we haven't heard of, some outside that might come out of the blue, you know? It's a very attractive job, is what, very, what yeah. you'd say. I mean, and to be fair to Mike Cass, um, like when he came in initially, I think there was a lot of people, myself included, looking at Ireland's intact and wondering kind of, you know, what were they trying to do at all? But it came good in the end. And you could see that Andy Farrell had given my cat, you know, license to put his stamp on it. So I think that would make the job even more attractive for like a top class coach to come in because like Rod said, Andy Farrell has a massive profile. I think a lot of people would want to work with Andy Farrell, but they'll also have seen that, okay, if I do come in here, then I will have control in terms of putting my own stamp on it and not be kind of restricted by the head coach. So yeah, like, I mean, I haven't heard any names yet, um, but I wouldn't rule out the, the idea of someone coming from very left field, like even from the Southern Hemisphere, even to have a different set of eyes, like a bit like Jack Neenarber going into... Um, 
going into the Leinster setup, you know, just having a bit of a fresh eyes and seeing how you can do things. I think Mike Prendergast would certainly be someone in the conversation, but from people I've been talking to, I don't know if that's going to happen at this stage. Um, I think he's pretty pretty settled in Munster and while he is definitely highly rated in the system um, certainly from what I hear at the moment um, it may not be him yeah okay. I, I would just 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 add it's not going to be Johnny Sexton who, who was mooted for this when the initial report came out in the Sunday Times but they do say the door is open to him returning if he wants to so he'll start his job at um in the private sector, I can't remember when the company was Arda Glass in January and the expectation is that he'll at least give that a whirl before he realises he misses rugby and comes back, which I think we all expect to happen at some stage, but I think that might be by the Andrew Goodman, Rudd. Andrew Goodman That's, goes to there, you go. there you go. Yeah. Sliding doors. Don't rule it out. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to the Champions Cup this weekend and start with Munster's game away to Exeter Chiefs at Sandy Park on Sunday. One o'clock kickoff. Uh, the big news is that Peter O'Mahony isn't in the team. He's still recovering uh, from that shoulder injury that sidelined him for the past few weeks. Six changes overall from last week's team that lost to Bayonne and three positional switches. Anton Frisch is back in the centre. Shane Daly and Craig Casey also returned to the back line. Dermot Barron is back at hooker, although Tyke Byrne will actually still captain the team. Stephen Archer and Jack O'Dunn, who also start Ollie Yeager's on the bench. Keen, I know you're only obsessing about your fans' report about Slime and that you're going to write because you're going to you're going to be at this game at Sunday at Sandy Park on Sunday. But what do you make of that uh, team selection? Um, surprised with a couple of of them. Um, to be honest, I was down in Limerick on Wednesday and actually got to watch a, a bit of training. It's brilliant, actually, at the moment. How and I think they deserve a lot of credit for this. How open. Monster are with the idea of of people watching training it's like so unheard of and the funny thing is like when you do get a glimpse of training it's never as exciting as you kind of think it will be um so <laughs> when I was down there I actually it's worth mentioning as well I was down there talking to um to Ian Costello, who's Munster's, you know, new head of rugby operations, a new role that was created last summer and had like a lengthy discussion with him basically about his role and what's been going on um, behind the scenes. Going to have a big interview with him um, be in tomorrow's Irish Independent and independent.ie. But uh, from the glimpses I did get of training, I could see that Peter O'Mahony wasn't involved in any of the lineouts, in any of the scrums. Now, they were training again today, he trained on Tuesday, I think, without any issues. And then he woke up on Wednesday, uh, Dennis Leamy said, feeling a bit sore. And to be fair, that tallied with exactly what I had seen because he wasn't in the scrums. But interestingly, Edwin Adogbo was uh, part of the, the training that I saw. But obviously, he's not included um, either. His neck injury hasn't cleared up. So that means Munster putting uh, Gavin Coombs into the second row, which is which is very interesting, really. Um, we've seen him do this bits and pieces over the last couple of years, they've they've resisted the temptation to move Tom Ahern, which would have been, I think, a much more natural fit uh, back into the second row. So Coombs and um, Ty Byrne is an interesting uh, second row partnership with Jack O'Donoghue gone to, gone to number eight. So look, Munster, it's not quite, you know, backs to the wall, but it's not far off it either after getting that draw at home to, to Bayon last weekend. You know, they've got a they've got a bit of work to do here. And, you know, Exeter coming into the game on the back of a brilliant win in Toulon last weekend. And it's good to see actually there a couple of Irish lads are on the bench, Jack Dunn and Rory O'Loughlin, two former Leinster yeah. players. Um so it'll be interesting to see how they get on. But this feels like a kind of a classic monster performance in the making on the road I mean we saw what they did in the URC running last year was it five or six games away from home that they went on or five games I think it was four games 
and a win. So they're going to require something like that. I think Sinead, Sandy Park, you know, not to roll out cliches, but it is a tough place to go. I heard Luke Fitzgerald on the podcast earlier this week was speaking about that from from his playing days as well. Real narrow, tight pitch crowd on top of you. But I don't know, Dennis Leamy was speaking about it earlier this week and saying that you just feel like this team delivers on the road kind of when they need to when they need to most. Now, they haven't obviously done it yet this season in terms of a big, big one on the road. But um, that was my sense from being down there. I have to say I was down there for a few hours, like I said, chatting to various different people. And I think they would have probably had a good sense of what the team was shaping up to be uh, from that early, early stage of the week. It's a big boost, obviously, to have Shane Daly back at fullback. Um, Antoine Frisch is back as well. Again, I'd seen him running around a train. And so it was strange enough, to be honest, that he was rested um, last weekend. I, I think Obviously, they have their reasons for it, but it's good to see him and Nankavell linking back up again. And I think it's no surprise either to see Craig Casey coming back in to start with Jack Crowley. I was a little bit surprised, actually, that Casey didn't start uh, last weekend, just purely because of himself and Crowley, I think, have been playing well this season. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, Sinead. Um, I've never been over to to Sandy Park or Exeter and like I said it's supposed to be one of the the great um, English grounds but um, it's going to require something something big for Munster it's going to require a big de- defensive display I was over in Northampton last year at Franklin's Gardens and they really dug it out then I think they had a couple of yellow cards if memory serves and I think they're going to require something similar it might not be the the prettiest of games but I think Munster really will be really targeting the win after getting that draw last weekend yeah, is this a Munster team that can deliver what all Munster teams in the past have delivered, Rory, in away games in Europe? Like, we don't know. I think it's the honest answer to that. I think, like, it's stronger than the one they fielded last week. Um, I, I'd be very interested to see how Coombs goes in that kind of, you know, scrummaging lock role. And, and, you know, maybe that's the future for him down the line as Brian Gleeson and Ruan Quinn emerge and come through and Munster have back row options that they need to accommodate players, um, certainly as an alternative to a dog bow. But I think they do miss Klein Snyman and a dog bow in terms of the power that they give you in that type five. Look, Barron makes a difference. Adi Yeager coming off the bench makes a difference. And Exeter, despite their great win last weekend, they're not as good as the team that, that Munster would have come across at this ground. In fact, both teams don't look as strong as they did when I, I was over there for the draw a couple of years ago. Um, one, of, one of those epic European days where like every kind of encounter was was fraught, every line out, every rook seemed like it kind of whole thing hinged on it. But like it's a huge game for them. But I, like it's a it's not a bad team. It's like there's a, there's a lot of potential in it. But we they were very disappointing last weekend. And you know if they show up in the same way, extra a team that can pin you into a corner and and, and grind you down, um, even without the kind of big names that have moved on over the last couple of years. So it's a real test. And as Keen points out, they haven't actually brawled at their their feet on the road last year. This season they haven't won it away from home yet. So they need to prove it to us. They need to kind of show us that they have what it takes to get out of this pool and get themselves a good draw. If they're going to Toulon in round three with two defeats, that's a really tricky place to go, to get out of. Um, they you wonder whether like you know the resting fish fresh last week should they have rested them this week should they have gone fuller fuller strength for Bayonne and done what the English clubs are doing if they're managing the resources across two tournaments maybe sack off your away games maybe take a new a new approach to Europe but Munster's prestige is so high that it's hard to do that so um, they're probably not quite a must win territory but they're very close yeah, um, speaking of teams managing their sides and premiership teams, uh, Leinster against Sale. Sale have named their team, much changed team. Uh, we'll start though, obviously, with Kieran Frawley. He gets his first game at Outap in the Champions Cup. Unfortunate for Harry Burnand, 
we kind of knew that he was likely to be ruled out at this weekend. But Frawley gets his chance, uh, Rory, now tomorrow. Yeah, I'd say he's pretty annoyed that um, the Sale Sharks that's coming up, team that's coming over for his big chance is actually, you know, their, their second string, their kind of um, Anglo-Welsh Cup team, for want of a better, or Premiership Cup team, for want of a better phrase you know like um you know you want to you want to be playing as two laggy george ford it's a great opportunity for leinster to top their pool it's to get a great opportunity to accumulate points to get a great points difference to put on a bit of a show for a sold out rds Um you could probably hear it like it was they were banging up born slippy as they were kind of doing the rehearsals in the fan zone before the game they're expecting you know it's a sold out crowd a big night and look this sells the, those fans short, I think, that Sailor are sending over, like Gloucester last year and like Bath before them and a few other clubs. They're selling their own fans short. And I, I wonder, you know, Premiership clubs moan about the resources that Irish clubs have. But even I've been trying to get information on sale all week. They've barely tweeted all week. They, you know, you go on their website, they don't have... The, the, the last update they had on their website until 12 o'clock today was the team that they picked against Stad Francais last weekend. They're not helping themselves. And if they actually sent the proper team over here and tried to get something out of this, they might have a few home games to generate some cash in the new year uh, in the knockouts. But as it stands, they're taking a, a punt that they can get nothing out of this game. They'll rest their players and they'll win their two games after Christmas and they'll still get into the knockouts. And that's the flow with the, the competition structure. It demeans the fixture. It demeans what, you know, whatever Kieran Forley does out, out there on Saturday, on Saturday. And I, believe he'll play well. I think he's an excellent player. Andy Farrell won't view that with the same seriousness as he did the game last week, which was the, which was a proper test match level kind of game. So I think it's really disappointing for the tournament. It's disappointing for Leinster and all the people who've paid money. It's like, you know, as we went back, you know, it's a professional game. It's their prerogative. How they pick their teams is, is on them, but it kind of just takes away. It's a big day for Tom Clarkson making his, mm-hmm. his, his European debut. Will Connors missed the start of week uh, training, so he misses out. He is fit, but basically they weren't sure earlier in the week, so they went with Josh van der Fleer, so they bring in the 2022 World Player of the Year. Not bad. Um, Jack Conan, starting lines number eight from th- uh, uh, three years ago, comes onto the bench. Not bad either. You know, it's a pretty formidable Leinster squad, pretty formidable Leinster setup, and if they can reach the same level of intensity that they had in La Rochelle, which will be a challenge because it's only six days on, they should wipe the floor with this, this uh, Sail Sharks team. Um, lads, we've got to race on. Um, we'll get your predictions at the end. Saracens against Connacht. Keen, obviously you were in the sports ground last week. This game is on tomorrow, Saturday at one o'clock. Uh, we knew there was no, going to be no Mac Hansen after that ankle injury. At least it doesn't require surgery. Jack Carty is at 10 for this 200th Connacht appearance. JJ Hanrahan is on the bench. Bundy Aki's in the centre alongside Tom Farrell. Uh, Gavin Thornbury is back in the second row after recovering from a knee injury and Connor Oliver and Paul Boyle are also uh, back in the second row. There's a bit of trepidation about what Saracens are going to inflict on Connacht tomorrow. And obviously they have Billy Vunapola playing because he's got, he got his red card from last weekend overturned. Yeah, Owen Farrell is is starting as well. And obviously Sarri's yeah. loss last weekend, the only English team. So they're in a kind of a similar enough situation, if you want to say, to, to Munster in that they need a kind of a, a big bounce back this weekend. And you'd fully expect him really to, to get it, Sinead. Um, the lack of response from Connacht... Um, from the Leinster game in the manner that they lost it, I thought was was deeply concerning last week. Um, 
we can wax lyrical all we like about how good Bordeaux were and they were brilliant and Noel McNamara is clearly doing a great job as their attack coach but the Connacht defence has been really really poor in the last kind of three games Scott Fardy's obviously a relatively new coach so who's passive team yeah so know, passive but just holes holes kind of appearing yeah. out of nowhere and stuff it seems to me now in fairness to Pete Wilkins he wasn't using this as an excuse I, I did ask him afterwards if it was a case of you know players are just still trying to get up to speed with what presumably is a different uh, defense system under Scott Fardy, who, like, let's not forget, like, is an inexperienced coach himself. He's not long retired. So, yeah, it's not really an excuse. Connacht works so hard to to get into the Champions Cup that when they get there, they really deserve to give their fans uh, something more last weekend. And it was such a strange um, atmosphere down there. I mean, it was a big night. I mean, Bordeaux might not be a, a Toulouse or a Racing, but like the stars that they had in that team, it never really felt like a big occasion. And Connacht actually had started quite well, but just got, you know, in fairness, they were actually still in touch at half time. But when Matt Hansen got off, you could kind of just feel the, the air going out of the whole occasion. And obviously, like you mentioned, Sinead, really good news that he doesn't require surgery. He was actually doing bits of training I saw during the week, which is a massive boost for Connacht, but also for Ireland as well. So so um, it's no surprise that they've rang the changes, to be honest. It was a tough night for, for JJ Hanrahan last weekend. Um, it was like, I, I found it a bit strange. Jack Carthy wasn't even on the bench last weekend. I know David Hawkshaw has done well for Connacht, but Jack Crow- or, sorry, Jack Carthy was running in the warm-up with the, with the Connacht players. Like he's your, he's your club captain. He didn't play against Leinster the previous week either. So a bit of a strange one. Um, Pete Wilkins again explains that he just felt that JJ Hanrahan was ahead of him at the time, which again, you can't really argue with it, but maybe you could argue that there should be a place for the club captain somewhere in the match day 23 for what was, you know, I, they might argue that the Leinster game was a bigger game, but back in Europe, French team coming to town a Friday night in the sports ground, that's a pretty big game. So, um, I'll be very interested to see, Sinead, how they respond. Because like I said, there was no response really to the manner in which they lost to Leinster. And I was down in Connacht like during the week as well, chatting to Mac Hansen and stuff. And, you know, the word was that they were they were happy that it was actually a short day, a short turnaround because, you know, they wanted to get back on the horse. But it looked like the, the Leinster victory had re- really, really rocked them, I suppose, the manner of it. So um, they need to show something tomorrow. I think their Champions Cup hopes um, in terms that are involved in getting to the knockout stages are already in severe danger and if if Saracens turn up tomorrow and if they deliver the type of home performance I think that many people are expecting I think it could be a really difficult uh, day for Connacht but I hope I'm wrong Yeah, just the fear is that this season kind of just could spiral a bit for them um, Same could probably go Rory about Ulster uh, they play Racing 92 in Belfast tomorrow evening at 8 o'clock uh, Stephen Kitsoff will make his home Champions Cup debut Rob Herring is back at Hooker uh, C. is also in that Racing 92 team. What do we expect from Ulster tomorrow? I never quite know. Well, that's the thing with them, isn't it? And look, they should be better than they are. The, you look at the team on paper, you look at the European experience they have, you look mm. at the, the venue, the fact that it's an eight o'clock kickoff on a Saturday night before Christmas, you would expect it to be crackling. You know, it should be a very tough place to go for Racing, who are on the back of a, a very disappointing home defeat to Harlequins and, and are in that Munster bracket of kind of must-win territory already as well. Um, and a t- you know a team with Lancaster and Charles that care about Europe. They're not like one of those traditional French teams who've sacked it off, and that's reflected in 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 their selection. It's very strong, you know. With you know Gael Ficou's playing, 
You've got a back row of Walkie, Khaleesi, and Wenceslaure. You know, Trevor and Guyane is in the, the front row. You've got, you know, Arundel, who's the talk of English rugby on one wing, and, and Juan Imhoff on the other. So it's very star-studded um, 23 that they've sent over. And Ulster have a very strong um, 23 of their own. And it's basically just time to deliver for them. They have to get a win. If they, you know, if they're to be taken seriously as a as a as a team this season, they got to halt this slide. They can't go into this, the doom spiral they went into last season. They need to arrest that slide. They need to win their home games. Like being beaten at home by Edinburgh two weeks ago was was just a bad result, a bad performance. And look, you don't hear great things about what's going on behind the scenes there. You don't hear the, the music is not good. But it's only one way to change that, and it's by beating Racing ninety two, bouncing into Christmas. Then you know they got. Connacht beforehand on the 23rd Connacht themselves in a bit of a doom spiral so you kind of go and win that and suddenly you can enjoy yourself and go to the RDS with kind of a free a free hit on the 1st of January but if you lose again on Saturday it's a really poor result and, and they're better than that I think on paper certainly they're better than that and for 60 minutes against Bath they were in that contest like they just have to get their scrum right that's the real thing and, and on a 4G pitch with the players they have they should be able to do that Mm, um, okay, predictions, lads. Uh, we know how last weekend went, obviously, with just the one win for the provinces. Uh, is it going to be better this weekend? Keen, starting with you. Well, my predictions were very bad last weekend. I think I predicted it. I was very optimistic about a Connacht win, so that it didn't work out well. I, um, I think a lot of people were. Yeah, I, yeah, I was badly wrong. So, um, where we start with Ulster, um, I think Ulster are going to be in trouble actually at the scrum tomorrow. I'm even looking at the the starting props that they've have. Um, they've got two big Georgians to come off the bench as well. Um, I think that could be a really worrying area for Ulster, to be honest, given what we've seen over the last few weeks. Kitchoff just hasn't had. Now it's not all on him. I mean, it's not a it's not a silver bullet to make Ulster scrum better, but he just hasn't had the the impact. I think that Ulster would have hoped, but obviously still loads of time for him to come good. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if Ulster win um, tomorrow. I think it would be the most Ulster thing ever for them to turn up and to deliver <laughs> and to win. But then like their problem is what happens the following week. They've been inconsistent, Sinead, in between games, let alone from game to game. So, look, I, I couldn't agree more with you. You don't know what you're going to get, but I think it would be very on-brand if Ulster were to turn up tomorrow and deliver a big performance. Um, I think Leinster will will hammer sale to be honest um i hope it's more of a contest than what i'm expecting but i'd echo everything that rod said i think it's deeply deeply disappointing for for the neutrals for the competition um that sale are sending over such a weakened squad i think it's it's really poor to be honest um i think munster will win i think munster will win yeah i i think that um they've got enough players back that they were missing last week obviously still missing a few um this extra team will be buzzing like i said after winning in toulon but i think that they can get the job done and i fear like i said for connacht uh, going to saris i'll go with two home wins and two away defeats i think munster will get a bonus point in, in exeter but i don't think i think without Omahani they may struggle to get over the line i think you know I hope I'm wrong about that, but I just wonder whether they have the, the, the requisite quality. They're missing a lot from that tight five, especially in the second row. I, I hope Gavin Coombs proves me wrong and, and has a big game, but mm-hmm. um, I think that could be a struggle for them. But even a bonus point wouldn't be a disaster. That would have them on three going into the last two games. Like They should be able to get out of the pool, but I think the idea that they could um, kind of have home home run through the knockouts might be going out the window. I think Ulster should be able to get the job done against Racing, who... You know they've beaten at that stadium in very recent years, and and I know they've got a great twenty three coming over, but they do just lose the Harlequins that don't off, often don't travel well. Lancer should run up, run up a big score here, 
And likewise, I think Saracens could end up running a big, run up big score against Connacht. It could be a pretty ugly day. And I'd say Jack Carthy might not thank Pete Williams, or sorry, Pete Wilkins for throwing him in. You know, thanks for the opportunity, coach, against Saracens away on that pitch. It could be a, a long day at the office, but um, I reckon two from two. Okay, great stuff. Uh, Keen and Rory, thank you for that. And uh, best of luck on your travels this weekend. Uh, Will and Luke will, of course, will be here to review the second weekend of the Champions Cup next week. But for now, thanks for listening.